Sharon Schneider, today's guest, is the founder of Integrated Capital Strategies. She helps successful founders deploy their philanthropy and impact investments, now totaling in the billions of dollars. She is the author of Handbook for an Integrated Life, which will be out in July. She'll also share insights about her superpower. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. Welcome to the Superpowers for Good show. Hi, Sharon. Thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. I'm just thrilled to have you on the show. Oh, thank you for inviting me. You know, you have uh, obviously written uh, an amazing new book, uh, The Handbook for an Integrated Life. Uh, tell everybody just a little bit about it before we launch into our conversation. Yeah, it really came from having spent 20 years of my career in the philanthropy sector, sort of trying to you know, be an effective grant maker and give to organizations that made the world better, but sort of eventually realizing that if we were limiting ourselves and I was limiting myself to the money I gave to charity as the tool I had to kind of live in alignment with my values. And other than that, I was living in mainstream Western culture that I was missing out, frankly, and I was misaligned in many ways. And so um, I had written a blog for a lot of years called The Philanthropic Family that was sort of about just integrating philanthropy into your everyday life. And out of that developed some ideas around um, how to expand your you know, aperture, just constantly expanding your aperture of what you have available to, to make an impact. And so, um, yeah, like 10 years later, finally kind of developed those ideas and turned it into this, this book. Now, <clears throat> you shared with me, and I'm so grateful you did, uh, uh, an excerpt that is uh, maybe a summary of, of seven principles for an integrated life that are a key part of the book. Yeah. Um, I wonder if we could just go through those one at a time quickly. Um, I, I found them, as I reviewed them, to be you know, deeply profound, and I just don't want to leave anything out. But your first principle was see the current. Uh, what do you mean by see the current? Yeah, the current refers to that mainstream current that is kind of constantly pushing us in the direction of consume, consume um, a bunch of stuff that you don't need. And so I really feel like, again, Western culture has normalized a lot of, you know, behaviors. And you see things like the 10 pieces you must have for spring, you know, or or refresh your wardrobe for summer and the 10 handbags or, you know, there's constant messages to buy things or to, yeah. um, you know, like put yourself first. I, I think when I was writing the book, there was a headline on CNN that was how to save hundreds of dollars a year. And, and the scoop was the the tactic was tip, like at a restaurant, tip on 15% of the pre-tax bill, only give 15% of the pre-tax bill and you'll save right. yourself. Again. And I was like, how is that? You know, that's not really where I want to save a couple dollars in my life. Yeah, and so yeah. there's a constant <laughs> set of messages that are the, the current, what I call the current. And, you know, marketing powers the current, right? Advertising is the stuff of the current, kind of driving you toward a very specific lifestyle that probably is, if, you're, if your fundamental value is, you know, wanting other people to be healthy and happy, as much as you want to be healthy and happy yourself, you want the people that grow your food 
teach your kids, work in stores, you know, all of those things to be healthy and happy too. Step one is just to be aware of the ways that our mainstream culture is pushing you in a different direction. Such a great insight, such a great insight. Your second principle was to embrace yes and to keep making progress. Now that needs some explanation, help us out. (laughs) So yes and is actually, um, I first read about it when Tina Fey wrote Bossy Pants. If you wrote, that was a great book. Brilliant book, brilliant. And she talks about um, the principle of yes and in the context of uh, theater and improv. And how when you're starting a scene, you know, your job is to agree, yes, that's great, what, whatever someone started, and add mm-hmm. something to it. And, and I'm saying this in terms of start with small actions, start with what you can do today, or maybe what you're already doing and celebrate that. But that doesn't mean you're done, right? So if you, if you, you know, take your reusable bags to the grocery store, Yes, like that's hard. <laughs> it's hard to remember until you get in the habit. And what can you do next? For example, I now have mesh um, produce bags. That was my end. It's like, oh, that's the next step. So I'm not pulling all those little thin plastic produce bags. And right. then when you've kind of mastered that, then you go, and can I switch out for some more organic or could I switch for some local producers? So it's sort of about celebrating when people are taking steps, including yourself, in the right direction. And then asking, what's the next step I can take? So trying to be realistic, yeah. but keep moving. Yeah, uh, that's powerful. That's powerful stuff. Uh, we all have a tendency to take a little bit of pride in what we're doing and to be satisfied. So the yes and great approach. Now, let's talk about number three. Don't give back, just give. How did you come up with that? I have always hated the term giving back that we talk about people who are highly successful and now they're gonna give back. And I think that framing suggests, to me, the obvious question is, what did you take? (laughs) You know, if you took profits, great. Did you take the unearned, you know, labor, the uncompensated labor of people? Did you take advantage of some lax environmental laws? Like, Like the idea that you accumulate for yourself you know, and put yourself first to accumulate, accumulate until you reach some magical point of enough, which in my experience, some people never have enough. And at that point, you will then turn back and and give some portion back. Um, I think that's how we got in this mess, right? Again, it's a very individualistic, like I'll get mine first, and then maybe I'll help some other people. And so for me, the principle is really about can, can I live in a way so that we all win along the way? So whether that's how yeah. I run my business and pay people, how I tip, I'm, a, I'm an egregious over tipper, you know, how I um, think about um, engaging with small business where I know I might be paying a little bit more, but it's really worth it to me, um, you know, to uh, support their entrepreneurial endeavors. And so all those choices that we make that may not maximize benefit to ourselves in the short term, but help everybody win along the way is really what, you know, just give is about. Yeah. Great. It's such a powerful message. Uh, you know, it kind of hits me right between the eyes because I need to work on that. Uh, number four, you say, be brave. What, what does bravery have to do with this integrated life? 
Yeah, I, I have had moments in my life, and maybe you have too, where, you know, there's something kind of sitting back here that you know you're not really living into your values the way you'd like to. Um, but you'd rather not look at that and think about it. You know, you kind of just ignore it back there um, until something forces you. And actually, a great example of this is um, Russia invading Ukraine and how it forced us all to, like, look head on into the bargain we had made around oil. And that it wasn't just environmental impact. It was also human rights and social that we had like willingly made this bargain with the devil, if you will, that was like, we want that oil. So yeah. we'll keep allowing you, you know, to, to um, make those trade-offs. I can't personally affect the, the war in Russia, but I can make choices like by being brave and saying, okay, like this is something I got to, I got I to turn and face. I can make choices in my own life about my dependence on fossil fuels versus clean energy sources, right? So maybe right. I can insulate my house, you know, if I have the option to have an electric car or drive less, you know, bike more or put on a sweater instead of turning on the heat or like many, many choices that yeah. I can take. But sort of, you know, step one is you got to like, acknowledge the cognitive dissonance that's maybe been bothering you and, and make the commitment to do something about it. And I, I think that does yeah. take bravery. Uh, th that is profound. And I think a lot of people are struggling with that. Uh, uh, for Earth Day, I, I wrote a piece about the importance of, of you know, let's, let's align our Earth Day thinking with the Ukraine war. And, uh, you know, it was interesting, a little disappointing, I have to admit. That, it, that people did not resonate with that message. And I think it's because of this issue, right? People were unwilling to confront what you call the cognitive dissonance of saying, oh, when I drive my SUV, even to do something good, I'm using fossil fuels and that impacts the demand uh, and at the margins, however tiny, that impacts uh, what's going on in Russia and Ukraine. Um, I think that bravery really matters. And I'm glad you called that out. Uh, number five, you say, is resist the allure of convenience. Uh, talk about that for a minute. Yeah. So I think, um, again, in Western culture, we've been convinced, oh, like through many billions of dollars of marketing, that our own convenience is the most important benefit that a product can have. And so... Um, I think the perfect example of this I always use is Amazon Prime, right? So 10 years ago, we all signed up for Amazon Prime. We're like, amazing, two-day delivery. And in the time since, we've come to realize what the consequences of delivering that convenience is to us, right? Which is, you know, delivery drivers peeing in bottles and, you know, repetitive stress injuries from pushing workers so hard to, to produce. And so, you know, now that like we, we see what convenience for us means in consequences for the workers along the way um, or the environment, you know, and like plastic water bottles, super convenient, um, you know, or buying any kind of disposable single use plastics, super convenient, <laughs> obviously not great. And so this idea that sometimes you pay a little bit of a convenience tax by going the extra mile and, and an example of that, I say, is like, a, a again, shopping at a small business. So could I run to a superstore and like buy all the things? And um, yes, um, 
if I'm trying to support, again, my community, the labor in my community, the business owners in my community, then taking an extra 15 minutes to go, is there a local option? You know, is there somebody that I could support in my neighborhood, um, you know, that would uh, align with my values better than kind of just doing the convenient thing? Yeah, that's powerful stuff, powerful stuff. And again, that's another one that kind of hits me right between the <laughs> me eyes. Too. Uh, All the time. I, Boy, if I, uh, I I can't even admit to you, uh, I can't even do, I can't even admit uh, my dependence on uh, Amazon Prime. I if I just you know, Devin, I, but, I, but I would say we all do, and and I don't set myself up. I have an Amazon Prime account, right? I mean, I don't set myself up as perfect in all these ways. More like someone who's trying to be on this journey and trying to like, yeah. you know live into this the best that I can. And so I try to give myself as much grace, um, you know, as, as everybody else, because we're all like, again, we just have to keep making progress. And I think if yeah. we continue to encourage each other and, and normalize it, you know, we will, we will get there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all hard. So I don't mean to say any of this as if either A, I've mastered it no, or no. B, you're somehow a failure if you have it. Yeah. But this is an opportunity for us to improve. And I see that that resist the allure of convenience is one that I can work on for sure. Now, uh, number six is walk lightly in the world. How do you think about that? Yeah, so there's a, a, a concept that was developed, oh gosh, in, in the ecological um, terms about, about your ecological footprint, like how much space and resources you take up. And again, in Western cultures, we consume, you know, way more than the earth can reproduce in terms of raw resources in a year. We're just literally using up the planet. And so the principle of walk lightly in the world is about not, not taking lightly when you choose to consume resources, right? So, so much um, of our entertainment, like we shop for entertainment, right? Not because we need things, you know, and, and, I think the fundamental principle of walk lightly is to make every bit of consumption a choice. And so it's not that you never need things. It's not, I mean, I own, I own things, I own decorative, useless things, um, certainly in my life. But um, one of the, one of the tools I, I introduced in, under that principle is what I call the, the purchasing hierarchy, which is the idea of if you need something, maybe it's a, a lawnmower, or maybe it's a new coat, you know, whatever it is, if you think I need something, the first question is, you know, really, we tend to focus on, oh, we'll get organic and fair trade. And then we're like, well, we'll back up because that should be like question four. Question one is like, do you really need it? So, you know, unless you're Beyonce on the red carpet, do you need a new dress? You know, is, is it really something you need? And then if the answer is yes, I really need it. My coat is, you know, my, my lawnmower doesn't work, whatever. Then the question is, do you have to own it? Is Could you borrow it? Could you rent it? So if it's a power washer, you know, could you rent that tool or borrow it from a neighbor instead of buying one, right? If it's something like a coat, then maybe you say, yeah, I really do need to own it. Um, okay, does it have to be new? Could you get it gently used? You know, consignment stores or other, so you're not consuming new resources. And then if you can't do that, then you say, 
let's talk about organic. Can you get it, you know, fair trade, organic, sustainably made, whatever. And then if you still can't do that, then at least get something high quality that will last so you can pass it down. So I think, you know, this, this can really apply to lots of things, but if it's just the, the mental model of not jumping right into, I need new stuff, um, but really making it a conscious choice with a little bit of friction along the way um, is how we get there. Yeah. My wife lives this perfectly and I'm still trying to learn from her. <laughs> uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I love to buy stuff. She hates to buy stuff. Uh, so she, <laughs> she is, she, she's the expert on walk lightly in the world. Um, know your power is your number seven. Tell us about what is, what is our power? What is our power? It is immense. And, you know, if you, if you, my consulting and like day job is with, you know, very, very wealthy families, billionaire kind of families. And I think it was really for me when I realized, you know, I'm, I'm no billionaire, um, but there is still tens of thousands of dollars passing through my household every year. If you count my, all of my consumption, so whether it's food, clothing, all of my financial products, my mortgage, my insurance, my cell phone, you know, all the money I spend on entertainment, on travel, on maintaining my household. I have all this consumer power. Plus, I have social networks, right? I'm a, I'm a sister and a mother and a daughter and a friend. I, my kids, you know, I have schools that they, they go to. I have my professional skills and networks. I'm also a voter. You know, I'm a voter and I'm a um, uh, active volunteer in my community. And so, if I only think of, you know, the five percent or ten percent of my budget as what I have to to spend to make the world, you know, that's like using five percent of your brain. You know, they say about humans, it's like how do we activate the other ninety-five percent? And that's really, I think, the message of an integrated life is the more of those assets you can bring into alignment with your values, the more powerful that you will be. So just realize, as you think about it, gifts to charity, you know, are certainly one important tool, but the choices that you make every day through all of these different aspects of your life are a far larger tool to bring about the world you want. Yeah, that, that is a powerful thing that we can all do, isn't it? That's, that's amazing. Well, Sharon, you are uh, a remarkably accomplished person, and this book is, I think, profoundly important uh, to get there, to, to accomplish all of this. You have a powerful skill set. What, in that skill set, what do you see as your standout superpower? I think I'm very good at that big picture, at the vision, um, and then getting people feeling motivated by that vision rather than demotivated by the problems of the world. Um, so by focusing on what you can do um, and, and painting a picture for what our world could be like if we were all like truly living into our values, um, so I think of myself as an evangelist for that integrated life. And, um, you know, that's, that's my life's purpose, really. Oh, that's fantastic. 
That's fantastic. As you think about that, uh, it seems to me your book is an easy example of that. But what are other examples of how you've deployed that superpower as successfully? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, through the book, certainly. And then, you know, with the foundations I work with, it really started with, you know, private foundations have to give away 5% basically of their endowment every year in the mm -hmm. form of grants. And, you know, back in the early 2000s, I started, not just me by any means, but, you know, the, the industry started saying, wow, that's amazing. What are you doing with the 95%? That is your endowment, right? And yeah. talking to the, the entrepreneurs and the foundation boards and families, you know, to say, you've already set these assets aside for a charitable purpose. And, you know, the idea that you separate out the 5% and then literally the 95% might be working in the opposite direction. Um, you know, the classic example, I think, and there was a report back in, again, it was like 99 or two, I don't know, about the Gates Foundation, right, which was um, grant making around environmental causes and invested in big oil. And like, you know, the idea of aligning your, your assets. And so over the years, I like to think that I've, you know, successfully counseled um, any number of families and, and foundation boards and endowment holders, you know, nonprofit endowments mm -hmm. to, um, to spend more of their focus on what the investments are doing, as opposed to just treating them as a black box that generates cash that we can give away. And so, you know, really um, giving them the vision of giving 100% of the foundation working towards their, their mission, against their mission, um, you know, which was motivating and exciting, um, I think, for them and especially for the next generation. So very often it has also been the next generation that saw that as intuitively, you know, um, obvious of course our investments should be you know aligned with the rest of our mission um and then empowering them to kind of make those changes and make those adjustments yeah uh, that's 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 powerful how would you coach someone to develop this ability how would what would you how would you guide them you know i think one of the mistakes we make as a sector is that we often focus on what people aren't doing enough of, right? So, you know, we might say, oh, well, your plastic straws, that's great, but you're not going to solve climate change by not using plastic straws. And I really encourage, that's why the second principle is yes and, because I think I start with, and, and the first line of my book is, I'm not doing this to save the world. I'm doing it to save myself, which is, I mean, I want to live every day in alignment with my values and I want to feel good like that. Like I, I may be making mistakes, something that I think is helpful could turn out to be harmful. And when I learn that I'll adjust and I'll grow and I'll, I'll make a different choice. But I think if we focus on individuals and then we build up from there, you know, something like the last line of the book is like, look, I'm not doing this. To, that's not my standard is will this save the world? <laughs> But in the end, if we all do these things together, that is how we save the world, right? And so starting with 
empowering and focusing on the positive actions that individuals can take. I think that doesn't mean we ignore, you know, we ignore the issues, but, um, you know, people that, that are in despair do not take action. And I think that's what cynical, you know, um, perspectives does is it makes you feel like, well, what's the point? You know, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. So I really kind of focus on the individual um, and get them excited about influencing their own, their own world. Yeah. Well, uh, this is profound stuff, and I, I'm so grateful for you sharing with us. I'm excited to announce that you'll be speaking at SuperCrowd 22 in September. I'm just thrilled that you've agreed to speak. Uh, my gosh, people will learn so much from you. So thank you very, very much uh, for my doing pleasure. that. Um, I, I'm excited about this event and more excited today now that we've added you to the roster of great speakers. So thank you. Well, I love what you're doing, by the way, with like getting, again, you're doing the same thing. You're getting people to expand their aperture. And I'm just thrilled to be able to be a small part of it. So thank you for what you're doing. You'll be a great part of it. Thank you. Um, Before you go, would you tell people uh, how they can learn more about your work, how they can get a copy of the book and uh, how they can connect with you, maybe on social media or someplace? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm um, pretty active on Twitter at Sharon Schneider. It's a SCH kind of Schneider. Um, and I do have a, a website for the book. It's called theintegratedlife.com is the, um, is the website. And there you can sign up to be notified. So publication date is July 19th. Um, it's a little, it's still a little ways away, certainly from when we're recording this, but it feels, you know, this, it's like, feels like a really long time from when you finish the book. So I cannot wait for that date to come. But if you can sign up there for a reminder, and I've also got resources then around the book at the website that you'll get as well. So I call it the kickstart kit to help you to start to be more aligned. Um, The seven principles, there's a little bit of worksheets and kind of journaling that you can do. There's all the web um, sites of the companies mentioned in the book and the, and the products and the, um, sites. So that's all non-affiliate links. I don't get anything. It's just sharing what I think are great resources. And um, and hopefully we'll build a little bit of a community there. Oh, fantastic. Well, Sharon, thank you so much for being with us today. We look forward to seeing you in September and we wish you every success with the book and with your great work in helping to bring alignment to people, including uh, those wealthy families you work with that have so much to align. <laughs> they make a big difference when they align their resources. So we yes. wish you every success in all of that Thank that you're you. doing. Thank you. All righty. Let's do some good. <laughs>